Gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your blessing. We thank you for the rising of the sun and the setting of the same. We thank you, Lord, for a brand new day. We thank you for the covenant. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. On this Communion Sunday, we say, Lord, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for the miracles. Thank you for just being God all by yourself. For you didn't have to wake us up. You didn't have to choose to know us. But you did anyhow. You have sustained us through it all. And we're grateful. Lord, move me behind the cross that the sight that needs to be restored will come from you this day because the light is you and you are the light. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for the meditation. Thank you for your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Ushers, thank you for your service this morning. Greatly appreciate it. I'd also just like to say thank you to all who have served this morning, all the communion stewards who tirelessly prepared behind the scenes to get us ready for our communion this morning. Thank you, Ms. Giovanni, for the senior choir, for Ms. Marietta, for Mr. Cheatham for opening up, and for Ms. Patterson for caring for our facility this week. Ren and all those who have prayed and been in service throughout this week. We cannot do the work of God if your hands and hearts don't show up. So I thank you in advance for everything that is forthcoming this week and everything that we will do in the name of Jesus. I come to you this morning saying thank you, Lord, for your mercy, your grace, and your love. I thank the Lord for all the miracles. Again, I also say I am truly grateful to see the young man named Donnell King II. Because because of our prayers. He was protected. For the 644th Transportation Company. Who made it back alive. I've never been in the war across the seas. So I can't say I've served my country in that capacity. And I've got to believe what they show us on the news is just simply what they think we can deal with. But I have to believe that our God who knows all and sees all still chooses to protect and cover our men and women from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet. There's a lot of mysteries in our faith that we do not understand. But I thank God for the miracles. Reverend and Mrs. Black, I thank you for the miracles that I can see you this day. There are a lot of people that are back and forth for a variety of reasons. There's a lot of prayers that are going up and there's a lot of souls that are being saved, but there's miracles around us. And I just like to say this morning, 
If you've never seen a miracle, just look around this building. If you've never seen a miracle, just look around this building. Through the Lenten season, the tagline has been expect a miracle. Truly God is delivering. Because during this Lenten season, there's hearts that are being changed. There's things that are being moved. People are being changed and healed and transformed right before our very eyes. Well, I would say to you this morning, the book of John can be a challenging book. When I was doing Bible study every week, one of the last statements that I said to Miss Tina was, when I was young, I didn't read the book of John. I just read the other three Gospels because I could kind of get the same picture. John paints a different picture, and it takes a little bit more of spiritual maturity sometimes to put your hands around what John has to say. But isn't it amazing that this particular passage from verses 1 to 41 simply is about the healing of a blind man and the doubt of the people around him. It's about the healing of a blind man and all the doubt that is around him. From the Pharisees' death to the questions they have for his mother and father to the people in the neighborhood simply saying, is that the same man? You know the one that was blind? The one that used to walk around begging? Is that the same man that's been cleaned up and can see? Because surely his people must have done something. The disciples went on to ask Jesus Christ, what is it that is fancy for him to be born blind? Did his mama do something? Did his daddy do something? Did his auntie, uncle, grandmother, who did what to help him have that condition? Some of us are not physically blind. Some of us born into this world are spiritually blind, are snagged by blindness on various fronts. And then we don't even think about the little things. But before we get to the blindness, have you ever seen the interaction between a mother and a child with a dirty face? Have you ever seen it? It's a funny little thing. I told that child to wash that face. All on the eyes. All around the mouth. I mean, puppy dogs do it, cats do it. I see them cleaning their children. But it's nothing like a mama to turn around and say, Get that dirt off your face. There must be miracle in the spit from a parent. I don't know. But I've never seen daddies kind of do that thing. Do, do daddies do that thing? Dads do it, okay, dads? I'm sorry, I just didn't expand y'all doing that thing, but y'all clean that face the same way. I mean, this must be the special cleaning thumb, and it just has miracle power. But there's something about the God on high digging down into the earth pulling up some dirt, making a mixture, adding a little something-something 
to get blindness removed. So the message today is simply called seeing clear. Say to your neighbor, seeing clear. I'm destined to see clear. When I read this passage and I thought about all the miracle and the grace, some words of a great hymn came to my mind. The hymn, Amazing Grace. The first stanza says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And maybe all of us don't know the history of that song, but Amazing Grace is the spiritual hymn of America. Whether you're in African-American churches, Anglo-American, Korean-American, Asian-American, Hispanic-American, everyone sings Amazing Grace. I was watching a PBS program highlighting this, this, this hymn, and to my ignorance, I really thought it was a black hymn. Hymns don't have colors, but in my growing up, I just felt like it was a black hymn. Because only I had only heard it sung with that flavor that comes in African-American church. I went to a lot of different churches growing up. I had friends of all denominations, but I really had never heard Amazing Grace sang any place else than a black church. And so when I saw this program on PBS and they were telling about who the wretch who had penned this song, his name was John Newton. Eventually he became Reverend John Newton. But at the time that he wrote this song, he was an infamous slave trader. And his blindness was simply the hellacious work that he did. He carried slaves from one side of Africa to wherever they said, deliver them. His life was rough. In the beginning of his life, his mother died and his father took him to the seas. He had a little education, but he knew enough how to be a business person and he knew how to wrap that boat up and take it out to seas and get his cargo from point A to point B, but he was a slave trader. But something happened in his life. He called it the Great deliverance. Can you say great deliverance? One time he was out on the boat and the boat was swaying from left to right. It was caught in a storm and the wretch named John Newton experienced the grace of God. His life was forever changed. He realized he was doing the wrong thing. He was in the wrong business. He was sinning against God and his life had been restored. He went to God and said, simply, save my soul. At sea he could have died. But the Lord, our God, heard his prayer. When he reached land, he pursued becoming an Anglican priest. He wrote songs for every worship. This song was not originally called Amazing Grace. It was called something else. And he hooked up with 
Charles Wesley and John Wesley of the Methodist movement because they wrote music from tavern songs. They wrote gospel music from tavern songs. Doesn't that sound like anybody in the 21st century? We're still doing that today because there's a great beat going on. The music that belongs to God is still God's music. And the interesting part of this was the beat, the heart of the music was from the drumming of the slaves in the bottom of the boat. So the fact that I thought it was our song wasn't all wrong because the heart of the beat came from our ancestors. Right. He then went on to stop being a slave trader and became a great abolitionist, went on to become a pastor in the Anglican church and continued his pursuit to have every soul free. Ironically, towards the end of his life, although he was able to see clearly, he became physically blind. But he said, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. That's what the gospel message this morning is about, making sure we understand what it means to get the miraculous healing powers of Jesus Christ placed upon our eyes, helping us to become free of the very things that bind us. Well, you see, the blind man in the passage was blind, and the miracle touch from Jesus Christ allowed him to be free. And even though the Pharisees asked him questions, and even though his neighbors doubted him, even though his parents told the, the, the Pharisees, go back and ask the young man himself, for he is of age. Don't ask us about how he got free. Don't ask us how he got his sight back. We know he was born blind. Whatever that man did, we weren't there. Go ask him yourself. So the message was clear. The man was born blind, but yet he had sight like he had never had before. So you see, suddenly a blind man was seeing life clearly for the first time in his life. And all the people around him couldn't seem to count it all joy. They wanted to doubt that he really could see. They wanted to doubt that he was really the same man. They wanted to doubt that this deliverance hadn't happened. You ever meet those kind of people in your life? God turns you around, you recommit, you're doing something new, and somebody says, but I remember when you were. I saw you when you used to hang on the corner. Sometimes I want to say, if you saw me, were you on the corner too? We must have been in the same club if you saw what I was doing. Why doubt what God has done? Because some of us can't believe that that kind of healing is real. They don't want to see what the Lord says. They don't want to see the clarity of it. They don't want to believe. If you read the whole passage, the man has to tell people over and over again, Look, people, I was blind, been blind, ain't never seen, but he did something, put the on my eyes, made up this mud, and he said, Go wash it off, and when you wash it off, you will see. So I want to just put a pin in there. 
what kind of faith did that man have? Where he had never seen in his life. And Jesus simply gave instructions. He did the instructions, followed them completely, and suddenly he could see. Interesting enough, you have to look at it and say, the man didn't ask to be healed. He, in this miracle story, he didn't go pursuing Jesus. Jesus saw him, saw his need, touched him with spit and love, created a miracle, and when he wiped his eyes clean, he could see. So I say to you this morning, there's just a few things I want you to acknowledge, that when Jesus, the light of the world, speaks to the world, the world must pay attention. Check out verses 3 to 7. Because Jesus sets the tone that the family did not sin. Although the customs and the traditions of that day attempted to try to justify. John Newton had hatred, but Jesus still didn't hold that against him when he bowed down on his knees and said, save me from this hatred. And his blindness was gone. So the testimony of faith is something to pay attention to. When the community speaks in doubt and parents redirect their questions back to the one who did the healing, the Pharisees had to pay attention. For all the know-it-alls in the world, for all the people who say, I know it by the law, I know it by the creed, everything is this, they had to pay attention. Because Jesus healed in spite of, and he healed on the Sabbath. Sometimes there's questions that come up. You have to ask yourself, were they really upset that he healed on the Sabbath? Were they upset that he seemed to break the laws? Or were they doubting the fact that he was truly the Messiah? You could get hung up on the questions. You could even deal with all the observations. But the bottom line is, even when they asked questions, the answer was still the same. And finally, for the person who needs to be healed. Just claim the name. Follow the directions. Step boldly and proclaim your healing. Maybe you won't see 2020. Maybe you won't see what you thought you should see. But you will be free enough to see what the Lord says you need to see. The images may not be all clear, but they surely are different than they were when you sat there and said, I can't ever see. I doubt that the Lord can heal me. Ain't nothing going to happen in my life. Just stand back and say, if he said it, I believe it. And he gave me the instructions to go down in the water, in the pool, and get my healing. He didn't even ask somebody to take a minute. He just stepped on out, went on to the pool and said, look ahead. He put it on my eyes. I'm going to dip on down here and get my healing. I'm going to see because he said I could see. So I encourage you, if you need to see, leave the people alone that's got doubt on their mind. Encourage them to say thank you for sharing your questions and inquiries. 
But the Lord said, I love that I can see and I'm going to get my place. I ain't worried about you. You can either roll with me or you can stay here and keep on questioning what you see. I don't know if you're a right brain or a left brain or up brain or down brain, but I'm going to go on over here and get my healing because the Lord said, strictly out of obedience, I'm going to go and get what he has for me. The greatest blessing of it all is the fact that Jesus simply saw the man's need. The song that Jack sang said, He saw my need, heard my cry, and took it upon himself to extend his amazing grace and heal my body. It doesn't matter how many interviews you may have. It doesn't matter whether 15 people question you. The answer is still the same. Jesus the Messiah is real. And I believe who he is and what he said that he would do. Tomorrow I go before the Board of Ordained Ministries. And I have a lot of questions to answer in a 90-minute period. They will ask me things that I am truly prepared for. But I say this especially to my students. When you ask God to bring back to you remembrance and you put something in there, he will honor your request. I will stand before this inquisition and answer all that they have for me because the Lord is the one who called me. I was called and I said yes. They will ask questions and I will proceed because the Lord has placed upon me the importance of walking it out. What would have happened if the blind man had just let the things stay on his eyes? What would have happened if he never went to the pool? What would have happened if he didn't even allow Jesus to touch him? They say, oh, whatever that is, that mud and that spit, I don't want it on my face like our children do. Mama, don't do that. Stop. What would have happened if that's what the man did? I have to believe he would have missed his blessing that day. So I say to you this morning, if you can't see and you want to see, Jesus is extending the same offer to the spit and mud on your eyes. And when the tears from your natural pool begin to wash down your face, may you see what the Lord needs you to see today. May your needs be covered. May Jesus do all that he has said he would do. And may your sight be viewed as a gift from the Most High God. Do you want to see clearly? It's the question I leave you with today. The doors of the church are open. Will you please stand as we sing our hymn of invitation, 454, Open My Eyes That I May See. Amen.